Hello, and welcome to the On Your Left podcast, the politics podcast that's probably to your left. My name is Katrina Ames, and I use she, them pronouns. And I'm Narali Sheth. I use she, her pronouns. We are in your subscription feeds, or podcast, hmm. We are in your podcast feeds every Wednesday night, um, so please be sure to hit the follow button and tell all your friends to listen to us, um, because... You love the sound of our voices even more than we do. I love the sound of my voice a lot. That's <laughs> I didn't spend thousands of hours editing myself to not learn to love this. <laughs> you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash onyourleftpod. Uh, maybe if enough people just give us one dollar, we could get this podcast out on Wednesday afternoons. Ooh, Wednesday afternoon. That's a big goal. It really is. Yeah, yeah. We both have jobs and um, things that a lot of other things that take up our time. So that's true. And today, in a way, we are also talking about our jobs, um, because our main topic this week is pay inequity and the wage gap. This uh, involves a, a certain university from uh, my home state of New Jersey, Princeton, that Ivy League. Um, have I have I ever told you about that time um, that uh, at a Model UN conference, someone came up to me and we like chit chatted for a little bit. And then he was like, you know, you have like the look of someone who would go to Princeton. And this was in high school. And I have still have I still have no idea what it means. It's still I don't know what that means either. I do remember um, a few years ago. When we were at NerdCon Nerd Pyteria, there was a group of, like, high schoolers mm-hmm. doing something. Yeah, yeah. And one of them asked if we were, and I didn't want to tell him that we were in our 20s and had degrees already. <laughs> so I just said we were here for some other thing. Because mm-hmm. I was both flattered and insulted at the same time to be mistaken for a high schooler. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Princeton University, the place I would have gone if I got in um because I seem like I go there um this is some bad news for Princeton um a after a review from the U.S. Department of Labor found that 106 female professors had been paid less than their male counterparts Princeton has agreed to pay $925,000 in back pay to the 106 female professors who were found to have been inadequately compensated, as well as $250,000 in future salary adjustments, which is a total of nearly $1.2 million. And $1.2 million feels like a lot of money, um, because it is. But also, it would have been a lot easier to just pay everyone equitably the whole time than to lose $1 million all at once. This seems like a budgeting problem, really. Yeah, especially since right now, especially universities are struggling um, because, like, students want their money back because they, they, they're they not paying for Zoom classes and stuff. Um, this would have been... This is such an easily resolvable issue of just, like, paying your employees equally. And, like... These are not the universities are nonprofits that like have to undergo a lot of auditing and like still choose not to pay people well. 
this is also interesting because Princeton is not admitting to doing anything wrong at all. Uh, obviously, they got caught doing something that was illegal and agreed to put forth resolutions to that. Um, but they are not admitting to any wrongdoing. And a spokesman said that it agreed to this early resolution consultation agreement with the Federal Compliance Office to avoid lengthy and costly litigation and its impact on the faculty and the university. Which means two things to me. Um, one, they want to settle this for as cheaply as possible, so they are avoiding court. And two, they want this story to go away as soon as possible, because nobody is really going to be talking about Princeton's pay inequity a few weeks from now. It's not going to be a big story, because it's an election year, and there's other stuff going on. Nothing other than the election is making front page news right now, which is also why we kind of wanted to talk about this, um, because it is a really important story. Princeton is a massive university. It's an Ivy League, um, and it's a brand name that's, like, known around the world, and they want to protect that name because that name is what brings in the big bucks. So um, anything that looks bad needs to go away really quickly, and this shouldn't. We need to hold our public institutions accountable, and Princeton, although it is not like a publicly owned institution, we still consider it for a lot of ways to be a trustworthy organization, an educational institution that a lot of people trust. I trust research that is done by Princeton University. Um, and. I don't like finding out that a bunch of that research has been done by underpaid full-time staff. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Princeton uh, has, even though they think they did nothing wrong, they're like, well, we'll take some steps. So they, uh, they have agreed to take a number of steps to ensure pay equity in the future, including reviews of faculty sa salaries at the time of hiring and during annual reviews, actively hiring women in fields where they are traditionally poorly represented and encouraging women to serve in leadership positions, which, um, kind of, it, it's, like, good that they have, um, said that they will do all of these things, but these are also things that are, like, these are things where it's really easy to get away with not actually doing it when you say you're doing it. So, yeah, like they say they'll review the faculty salaries. They don't say we are going to ensure that if a man and a woman are doing the same job, they are going to be paid equally. And encouraging women to serve in leadership positions is so vague. They didn't release a plan for how they are going to do that. Yeah, and there's also this um, idea of like the glass cliff where... Um, women are put into leadership positions when um, that organization is failing already. So they have an uphill battle to climb and are essentially blamed for all of the problems that existed before they were there in that leadership position. Um, and they become a scapegoat. Like, that's a real thing. Um, so I am scared of that happening. 
Um, most recently, we're seeing that with the Bon Appetit test kitchen, but that's a different story. <laughs> I mean, it's related, but yeah, that's a different story. <laughs> but like, it's like, it's the same thing of like, this bad thing was revealed. And then suddenly they're like, we're going to put all of these marginalized communities in leadership positions instead of actually solving the problems that we had. I mean, I do think that more women and more members of marginalized communities should be in charge because the people closest to the problems are usually best suited to address those problems. But if you're just looking for some token woman to sit on like the board or to be chair of a department and then not you're not going to listen to them or pay them equitably, you're not doing your work as an institution. And Princeton definitely has the money to do this work as an institution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I laughed when I looked at this number for the first time. I was like, really? Really? Um, Princeton has uh, $26.1 billion in their endowment. Not million, not with an M, with a B, billion. Um, so yeah, they're not short of money to pay their professors equally. Um, they're fine. And this 1.2 million that they're paying right now, while yeah, it looks bad and, um, while they wouldn't want to pay that in the first place, obviously, um, it's a drop in the bucket. It is less than 1% of their total wall. It is less than like half a percent. It is less than a tenth of a percent of their total endowment. No. And endowment funds are supposed to support teaching, research, public service missions of colleges and universities. And paying your teachers is definitely well within the university endowment's mission and purpose. Yep. They could very easily do this. So easily. Yeah. Um so as we as as we were talking about before like this is not just a problem with Princeton University. This is an extremely important problem happening across America in every field, every industry. Um so maybe we should talk more numbers about the gender wage gap. It's happening all over the country. I mean, it's also a global problem, but we're just going to focus on what's happening in the United States. And this also both impacts us because we were both assigned female at birth and are overwhelmingly perceived as women all of the time. On average, in America, every dollar that a white man makes, the average woman makes 82 cents, with black women earning 62 cents, native women earning 57 cents, and Latinas earning 54 cents on that $1. So that's nearly half. Latino women are making half of what a man, a white man would make doing the same exact job. Well, I don't think that's, I don't think these statistics are. No, 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 not doing the same exact, not the same exact job, but like. In general. Yeah, in general. That's half the wealth going to a Latino woman versus a white man. Fewer women, particularly in our age bracket, are able to save money. About uh, 
half of women are able to put money into their savings compared to about 70% of men our ages. Um, and part of that is because of pay inequity like this, but part of it is also that uh, women are expected to contribute more to their community or their wider families if they come from low-income backgrounds. And women also owe more student loan debt. How? We go to school more often. We're like, better educated. We go to school more. That's true. I also think part of it is that like w women are locked out of better positions in workplaces so we we make less and we're locked out of certain some industries sometimes like or we're it, it's a whole thing or women are pushed out uh, especially people who experience sexual harassment in the workplace are likely to find a new job because it's a toxic work environment and that means starting over at a new company, possibly for a lower wage, or and losing the seniority that you had built at that first company. There's so much that goes into this. It's not just a hiring manager choosing to pay more to a white man than a woman of color. Um, but that just shows how much needs to change in this world for gender equality to exist and you might be saying that you know the difference between you know one dollar and 82 cents or even one dollar and 54 cents doesn't sound like a lot i currently have in my household a dollar and 82 cents that is a true fact about me definitely have at least that much money here i hope um but let's think over a lifetime for a woman who works full-time year-round, just at the 82 cent average for what a man makes, there's a gap of t more than $10,000 annually, and over a 40-year career, that adds up to over $400,000. Or if you're a woman of color, roughly $1 million of lost wages due to the wage gap. And that inequity that you have experienced adds up over time, even though it feels small at the beginning. Yeah, and it's not just that $1 million that adds up over time. That $1 million uh, could have gone towards investments. It could have gone towards buying a home. It could have gone towards just savings where it would gain interest. It could go towards a retirement plan where it would gain interest. So it's more than, act than just that $1 million because that's how money grows when you have money. Like, that's how that works. So we're, it's being denied the opportunity to grow that money yeah and i mean i hate to do this but you know let's think of families because women are often responsible for families or nurse or seeing as the main caregiver um yes they could be losing out on wages because of that if they take a break from work but also what if they want to send their kids to college they could that wage gap prevents them from saving for that and passing on wealth to the next generation as well. Mm, if I want kids, I want better for them than the student loan debt that I'm in. And I, I don't know if I'll be able to do that. Yeah, exactly. And most, most people our age who are wealthy are wealthy because of generational wealth. Um... So you want to 
create that for your children so that they are not suffering, you know? That's an actual thing. I've done the generational poverty thing, and I would not recommend it. It's not fun. We ha- we do... There is um, maybe not a complete solution, but there is one man up to the task of starting to fix things. All right, so let's talk about Joe Biden, because he is our first choice now. He is our first choice now. And, like, that kind... That, like, title... A few months when we started doing this segment a few months ago was like kind of ironic, but like he's our first choice right now because the election is happening right now. I just dropped off my ballot right now, so he's like actually my first choice, and I want him to win really badly now. <laughs> like it, it started salty, and then it just gradually got like more urgent and less depressing. Yeah. Well, thanks, Biden. I appreciate that. Kudos to him. He's been working really hard to earn our vote. You know, um, I still have many disagreements with him. Um, there are still things that I want to push him on once he's in office, and I want him to go further left on when he's in office, but he has been working hard to get our vote. Not to brag, but uh, as a Pennsylvania voter, I am very important this year. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm not as important, but um my county in New Jersey is pretty red. Um so there is that. Every office matters. Every office matters. Yeah. So we're just going to talk about a very small portion of uh Biden's plan for women because we're just going to talk about the things that addresses the wage gap directly. It's because I don't want to record for two hours today because I don't have time to edit that this week. I work in elections, so. (laughs) There are four parts to uh, Biden's plan to address um, wage inequality. Um, What what do we call it? The gender wage gap. Um, (laughs) So uh, the first thing he wants to do is strengthen enforcement and accountability um, in terms of equal pay. So, um, Biden wants to make it easier for employees to join together in class action lawsuits so that they can, um, sue a company that has not been paying their workers equally, uh, over time. And, um, that's really important because it can be really scary to stand up to a company all by yourself, but... If you find that there is a system that consistently devalues your work and the work of people like you, joining up with people like you makes it more likely that you win and it allows you to pool your resources with other people. Collective action. Yep. Um, Biden also has a plan within this to shift the burden to employers to prove that any gender-based pay gaps that exist are existing for job-related reasons and business necessity. Um, like, you know, you wouldn't necessarily pay um, a janitor the same amount that you pay a secretary, that you pay a, a CEO. There are various skills in within capitalism that are valued differently. And that's a problem on capitalism. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So like we're seeking, yeah, this is, we're seeking to address a, a symptom of capitalism in this and like just heal the symptom. And we know that, uh, but it's better than nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I think this would also include, um, things like seniority, um, or like, uh, cost of living raises that you give to employees over time if they've lived, maybe not cost of living, like seniority raises that you give to employees if they have been at the company for a certain amount of time, um, which are pretty common in some industries. Um, and that is also one reason for the wage gap, because a lot of startups are male-dominated, and they, uh, therefore, even if they are paying people the same for the position when they start out, the men end up making more over time because they've been with the company longer. Uh, Biden also wants to increase penalties against companies that discriminate. Um, there aren't a lot of details on this, but uh, I'm assuming... Um, once the presidency gets started, uh, he would expand on this a little more as to what those penalties are. I'm assuming it's going to be monetary. Um, we saw with Princeton, they were addressing just the harm that they have done and plans to make it better. Uh, but I think they also should have had to pay a fine. Um, and I think increasing the penalties like this and would make things less likely, make companies less likely to discriminate, but also make it easier to use that money to fight discrimination. Yeah, and he also wants to hold companies accountable, um, not just by increasing penalties, but by expanding funding for the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, um, the U.S. Labor Department's office of federal contract compliance programs and the U.S. Justice Department's Civil Rights Division to increase the number of anti-discrimination investigators, litigators, and enforcement actions, which um, presumably would be paid for by these penalties. Um, it would also uh, just be part of budgeting because uh, particularly with the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division, we have seen under the current Trump administration their budget get cut and to lose a lot of career employees because of that. And uh, I like civil rights and would like them to be enforced by my federal government. Yeah, civil rights are good. <laughs> what, a, what a radical stance we're taking here. <laughs> Honestly, sometimes... I feel like we're not even to anyone's left except the worst people. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like, like we're I feel like... the podcast name. Yeah, yeah, we're keeping the podcast name, but um, sometimes it feels like we're just talking common sense. You know? Like, maybe the world shouldn't burn. Maybe people should be paid equally. <laughs> Like, how are these left? Like, these aren't actually leftist, but the country isn't anywhere close to the actual left. So we need to just push, push people a little bit at a time. Yep. Um, and one thing we can do to make this easier is to 
make wage gaps transparent by collecting and disclosing compensation information by race, gender, and ethnicity to the federal government so it has better insight into pay disparities and can better target enforcement. This is a program that started under the Obama administration and something that Donald Trump is only continuing because he was ordered to in a court. So he tried to stop it. He did try to stop it. Jeez. How that that like didn't even make it onto my news. Like I I read so much news and this like either I read about it and completely forgot about it because it was just oh Trump doing another thing or like it didn't even break the news cycle because Again, it was just Trump being Trump, not even something to be reported on. And this um, information by race, gender, ethnicity, that's all collected, like, when you start a job. I mean, I've filled out, you know, paperwork this year that says, you know, would you like to disclose your gender, your uh, ethnicity, if you have a disability, just very, like, basic information. And it's literally just so we can know what our world looks like again it's about data again it's just having data so we can have a better understanding uh of what um the world looks like and then figure out how to fix it better and yeah uh biden also wants to level the negotiating playing field um by enacting the Paycheck Fairness Act to ban the use of salary history to set wages and make hiring decisions. Because if a woman starts in the workplace making, say, $30,000, where a man is making $60,000, when they go to interview for their next job, that hiring process, the woman's going to say, well, I've been getting paid $40,000, while the man's going to say, I've been getting paid $60,000, and the company will offer money based off that. So the company will offer the man 65000 and offer the woman 45000 So that would be banned. Yep. And that's also a really big problem um, for specifically in uh, my field where I do things in politics and work with nonprofits. Because 73% of the nonprofit sector employees are women. And uh, nonprofits might provide uh, their employees with a living wage or a competitive wage, but you are not going to be making as much as you would make in the private sector. And if you were to transfer to the private sector, your old salary history would be used against you, even though you would still be incredibly qualified and have the experience necessary. Yeah, so they would just feel like they're allowed to pay you less because you are used to being paid less. Um and companies want to save money and maximize profits. So they want to pay you as little as possible. Everyone's always surprised when I say that, but like, that's the whole point of companies. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, the point. They enjoy profits. Like, that's what they do. Um, which is why we need to, under the Biden administration... Make it easier for workers to organize unions and bargain collectively. Unions are one of the best fighters for closing the gender pay gap. Women who belong to a union are more likely to make as much as their equally qualified peers. You're gonna, you're gonna want to listen to our episode uh, called Unionize This Podcast that we uh, released on September 18th, 2020. 
a whole month ago from when we are recording this. Oh my goodness. That was a month ago now? Time has passed so quickly. Yeah. Um, I do want to actually touch on something with the negotiation, though. Um, If you are a woman listening to this, negotiate harder than you want to. Women are just trained to not negotiate as much. They're trained to smile and play nice and say yes and accept what they think they deserve. But you deserve more than that. Whatever a company is offering you, A, don't say yes the first time, ask for more. But then also the second time, ask for more. Like, take that extra step because the white man who is interviewing also, um, and the white man who is being offered the same job is asking for more. 100%. I also like to look up what uh, people in my field generally make within the area that I live in. Like, establish your baseline of what you need, and then just ask for, you know, 10% more. See what, see what they give you. Ask for 20% more. I'm not, I'm not in charge of this. Especially uh, if you're working for a large corporation, then definitely ask for more. Um, They can afford it. You can also, uh, once you're already hired, ask your coworkers about uh, their salaries and be open about what you make. Because a lot of the time, people do not realize that they are living in a pay disparity or experiencing a pay disparity because we assume that everyone is making the same amount that we do and that's not always the case and being open and honest with the people that you work with with the people that have the same job as you can work to really level the playing field yeah um adam conover has a really great video on why you should share how much you're getting paid with your coworkers. um i highly recommend it um, and like we like in America, you're taught not to talk about how much you're pay you're getting paid, um, but you probably should. Um. So, Norelli, how can we act this week? Um, we can act by uh being a voter. Um, but right before recording this podcast, I went and dropped off my ballot. Um, at our uh local, um ballot drop box, which is not a regular mailbox. It's a specific drop box for ballots. Um, Please look up in your county exactly how to vote. Um, I found out through my county's Facebook page that in-person elections were being canceled uh, for the vast majority of people, and it was only going to be for um, specific disabilities in-person voting. So um, uh, you have to vote by mail. Um, so just check, check, check what you're doing that way. Um, and yeah, the election is happening now. Um, and we have the opportunity to ensure that everyone in our lives votes. Um, more than 26 million people, yeah, more than 26 million people have voted as of Saturday, October 16th, um, more than more more than 26 million people had voted as of Saturday, October 17th, according to the U.S. Elections Project, which is a turnout tracking database run by the University of Florida uh, political scientist Michael McDonald. Um, that's more than six times the number of votes cast by the same point in 2016. Obviously, 
the world looks very different right now than it did in 2016. But um, that's six times. That's huge. That's a huge number. Um, so if you haven't uh, voted yet, please go do that. Check how to vote. Check the front and back of your mail-in voting sheets. Um, check all of the questions. You can go online. There are videos on how to fill out a ballot. There are um, resources everywhere. Please, please, please do everything you can to make this election successful um, and make your voice heard. You can also call your senator in support of the Paycheck Fairness Act, which would strengthen current laws to ensure equal pay. This bill passed the House in March of 2019, and the Senate hasn't done the voting part on it. So, if you're in Mitch McConnell's state, please uh, annoy Mitch McConnell about this and also vote him out. (laughs) Yep. Uh, let's take back the Senate so we can actually pass laws. Yeah. Yeah. There are a bunch of Senate races uh, that are happening that are really important. Vote down ballot. <laughs> and also call your senators about this bill, about this act. 2019, though, man. What were you doing in March of 2019? Uh, in March of 2019, hmm, actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look at what YouTube video I published. That'll probably jog my memory. (laughs) I'm just like so curious what I was doing then. I'm looking at my Google calendar and I'm going back to March of 2019. Oh, in March of 2019, it was, I was just ending my previous job and just starting my current job. And I took a trip to Italy. Uh, in March of 2019, I was working as a barista at an arcade. And I made some videos in an attempt to make a video for every single day of Lent. And then um, I failed. <laughs> well, at least you tried. But that's at least fine. you tried. Look, a lot of things have changed uh, since March of 2019 when the Paycheck Fairness Act was first passed. I've had you've had a bunch of jobs. Yeah, three different jobs. Yeah, since March of 2019, I quit my job as a barista. I got hired on the presidential campaign, I moved to Iowa, my candidate dropped out, I got a job on a different presidential campaign, uh, moved back home when they dropped out, and decided to switch from field organizing to being a data organizer. And then the pandemic happened too. That also was a thing. Yeah, the pandemic happened. Um, Yeah, so much has happened. In March of 2019, we were a full year before the first lockdowns in the United States. March of 2019 versus March of 2020. Whew. So different. And this whole time, there was no Paycheck Fairness Act being voted on in the Senate. Yeah. 
And like our jobs look so different now than they did in March of 2019 because of A, this not happening, and B, the pandemic where we all had to work from home and people people had to, um, like, people lost their jobs and everything. Like, if, if, even if the people who have lost their jobs during the pandemic had equal pay, they would have had that much more money to save. Thousands of dollars. Like, they would have had so much more money to be able to provide for their family in a pandemic. It's, oh. Okay, so we both just stressed ourselves out very much right now. Um, so uh, here is the last thing on our to-do list for this week. Do a self-care thing. Do something for yourself. Um, what's something you're going to do for yourself that's just for you and just to take care of yourself? It's a very stressful week for you. I uh, am going to read some comics that I borrowed from the library through their digital services. Nice. Yeah, I am going to um, keep listening to a Jane Austen novel that I read many, many, many years ago and uh, don't really remember. Um, and I'm also going to try to write creatively and not about the way the world is right now in a literal sense. I'm probably going to use some metaphor in there, but, um, and if I get super frustrated, I'm going to write in my diary about every single thing that's frustrated me. <laughs> do something for yourself. Please do. Um, especially knowing the listeners that, that we have and also knowing us our society isn't really built to take care of us a lot of the time. And taking care of yourself and putting yourself first and finding joy in the world can also be an act of rebellion and saving your own importance because you matter and you are valued. And I would love if you did something that showed that you value yourself. It's really important that we take care of ourselves because once, because everyone who is listening to this has done really hard work to get to this point. Um, it's been a difficult four years. It's been a difficult few months. Um, so do something for yourself. Take care of yourself. Um, it's just so important that because we work so hard, we should enjoy the fruits of our labor a little bit, you know? So, uh, speaking of enjoying things, what are some good things? <laughs> what is your good thing? Your good thing is fascinating to me. Okay, my good thing is a very specific thing. So, first of all, flies are an amazing animal. Like many insects, they are pollinators and are a really important part of our ecosystem. Um, I personally don't like when they touch me. I try to avoid that, but they are incredibly important. They also hold a lot of symbolic meaning across cultures. And we all heard like a billion takes and jokes when a fly landed on Vice President Mike Pence during the vice presidential debate. 
Um, but we also saw a fly land on Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett when she was uh, in the hearings with the uh, Judiciary Committee and the Senate. And I thought that was really interesting because given that Vice President Pence and uh, Scoutist nominee Barrett are both Christians, I just wanted to share that uh, biblically, the fly is a symbol of pure evil. <laughs> These are two people who um, insist upon... Uh, not separating the church and state, but infusing them, making them one. Um, and the church meaning specifically the Christian church. So this is fascinating stuff, especially because, also because Amy Coney Barrett uh, considers herself like a constitutional fundamentalist where uh, she goes back to the actual document and the actual words on the constitution to interpret every single ruling she's going to make, apparently. Um, and I'm sure she does the same for the Bible, where she takes everything in the Bible literally. So um, how's that feel, Amy Coney Barrett? How's that feel to have a fly land on you, to have that symbol of pure evil land on you? Like, it is, it is representative of sin. It is representative of evil. It is literally one of the plagues that happened in Egypt to, like, free the slaves that were Jewish. Like, a lot... Uh, flies have done a lot symbolically, really, just in literature, but specifically the Bible, which I'm sure is the only book that matters to either of them. I mean, there is Atlas Shrugged. Come on, Katrina. Yep. They've read at least one other book. Good point, good point. <laughs> I'm saying a lot of things uh, right now um, that uh, would go would follow very well with my good news or that would be followed very well with my good news um which is a uh a clip of um tessa violet the singer and songwriter tessa violet just telling me no specifically me and that's my good news that tessa violet who i stan said no to me <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get a lot of use out of that clip. Uh, look, sometimes we just need people in our lives that we trust to tell us no. Yeah. So um, I have given, I have granted everyone on Twitter permission to um, just send me this video when they think I'm doing the absolute most and I don't need to. Um, so please, please tell me no. A, I love the video. It's hilarious. Um, and B, I need to be told no. So that's my good thing this week. What is our mango fact this week? Our mango fact is one of my favorite mango facts ever. Um, even though it's quite negative. Um, so there is a, uh, group of male singers from South Korea known as BTS. Have you heard of them, Katrina? <laughs> I have heard of them. They're kind of they're kind of a thing right now. They're kind of a huge deal right now. Um, and uh, one of their members, unfortunately, uh, does not like mangoes. Um, and this is specifically Jimin, who um, does like meat and also likes fruits and uh, kimchi 
Jigay? Jigai? I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Um, but there is one fruit that be- that this BTS member doesn't enjoy, which is mangoes. And then, according to this article, um, he elaborates, stating, It's more that I don't enjoy eating it. Um, and then the most wholesome thing happened, which is that one of his fellow members, Jin, joked that it's because Jimin's face looks like a mango. Um, and it was, it's just so beautiful, but Jimin doesn't like mangoes, but he would drink mango juice. So there is hope for him. We could work with that. Yeah. Um, he also, one of his nicknames is Baby Mochi from when he was on the James Corden show. I love that for him. No reaction. Yep. <laughs> Baby Mochi. I do like Mochi. Um, so Jimin, um, I understand that sometimes the, the, the texture of mango isn't um, the greatest, but uh, you, should just, you should just try a good fresh mango during mango season. Give it a shot. And you know. It's okay that you don't like some foods. That's that's fine. I disagree, but it's fine. We forgive you um, for not liking this, especially because you said you don't like eating it, but you will drink mango juice, and mango juice is great. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of On Your Left. If you want to find me, I am at Katrina Ames on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, and Twitch. Where can we find you, Norelli? Um, you can find me at Firewood Sparkler on uh, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, where I stream three times a week. Um, and uh, maybe soon a website. That's a work in progress. <laughs> so uh, you can also uh, support the podcast on Patreon if you like what we have to say. Uh, feel free to uh, give us a dollar or two. And uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of On Your Left, all about the gender wage gap.